welcome to church, everybody. I am excited and nervous at the same time, but I'm very happy uh, to be here to give us the fourth installment of um, Mixed Motives, a sermon that we, we've, we've been in this sermon series for, uh, I think, the past four weeks. We've been gleaning from a passage in Matthew chapter 6, and arguably, I would say that this is probably Jesus' best sermon. You know, he preached something in about a day that will take us months to unpack. And yeah, so I'm just really, really excited. We're going to go straight into the Word. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I'm going to read the scripture for you. It says, hey, do not, or it doesn't say hey, this is me just (laughs) adding that part. (laughs) This is just me adding that part. It says, uh, do not. Do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your heart is, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. I think that this passage that I just read now is more relevant now than it was um, 2,000 years ago. I think that's, that's, that's the significance and the genius of, of the Word of God. I think I'm going to read it. If I were to read this in today's context, this is, what, this is how I would read the scripture. I would read it this way. Hey, do not store your money in your couch. <laughs> do not store your money in your couch. Don't put $4 million in your furniture because thieves can break in and steal. (laughs) You're going to have to forgive me today. I think that there's two things that church people don't like to talk about. I think church people, as church people, we don't like to talk about money and sex, but we all want some. Um, I think that <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 I wonder, I wonder, I really wonder why we don't like talking about money in particular. I, I wonder why we don't like talking about money. I wonder why we get so weird when we have to talk about money. I wonder if the reason is we don't like people talking about things that are that we hold dear to our hearts, things that are very sensitive to us. And I have to give this disclaimer. Yes, we're not going to collect a second offering today. I just had a sigh of relief or disappointment. I don't know. You can have your opportunity to give the vision offering on the 31st of July. But today, we are not going to be collecting a second offering. And I apologize if you've been exposed to churches that have manipulated you into giving. Thank God we're not one of those churches. But today, what Jesus was talking about in this portion of Scripture is more than just money. I think that if, if Jesus is our model and we, we try to organize our lives to be with Jesus so that we can become like Jesus and then do what Jesus would do, I think it's important for us to pay attention to what Jesus was talking about in this portion of Scripture. Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about praying, more than he spoke about going to hell, more than he spoke about any other thing. And of the 40 parables in the Bible, 11 of them 
were on finances. However, in this portion of Scripture, Jesus introduces us to something significant. He doesn't introduce us to his works, but he's introducing us to a concept, his ways of doing things. And in this, in this, in this uh, portion of Scripture, I like how Jesus introduces us to this concept because he's not talking about just money. The idea is not money. But what Jesus is talking about is the concept, the attitude behind money, the heart behind money, how we feel behind money, like our, what we have to do to acquire that money. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And I think in this, in this portion of Scripture, he, he's not really talking about what we have, but our attitude towards it. So what I'm going to try to do in this, portion of, uh, in, in, in this message is ask you three questions. Is ask you three questions as I try to unpack what the scripture is talking about. It's, it's also important to note that, hey, God doesn't want you to be poor because we can read this passage that I just read now and misquote it. God doesn't want you to be poor. This is not a call for you not to save money. This is not a call for you not to invest. That's not what God is talking about here. Okay, so I'm going to ask us three questions as I try to unpack what the scripture is talking about. The first question I'm going to ask us, very simple question says, who or what is at the center of your heart? You don't have to answer me now. Who or what is at the center of my heart? Who or what is at the center of my heart? Where, where are you spending your time, your resources, your energy, your talents? Where, where are you spending? Because as the Bible says that, hey, where your treasure is, that's where the desires of your heart will be. So if we are to check who is at the center of your heart, we have to look at where you're spending your time, your energy, your resources, and your talents. That's the best way for us to check that. And it's important for us to actually understand that, hey, God wants your heart. God wants your heart. It just so happens that your heart is connected to your treasure. God wants your heart. That's what God is after. God is after your heart. He is after your heart. So if he's after your heart and your heart is connected to your treasure, then you need to ask yourself a question. Does my treasure submit to my God? Or does my God need to submit to what is, whatever is at the center of my heart? Does my treasure submit to, to my God? Or my God needs to submit to whatever is at the center of my heart? That's a very important question for us to understand. I want to tell you guys a story of, of a, a man called Pablo Escobar. If you guys know of this man, he was at some point, um, he, he's a drug kingpin. He, uh, at some point, he, used, he was responsible for 80% of the cocaine sold in the U.S. At, at, at the height of his career, Pablo Escobar used to make half a billion dollars weekly. That's how much money Pablo Escobar was making. And he used to spend... 2,500 US dollars weekly to buy rubber bands so that he can be able to, to, um, to, to uh, like wrap the money. And at the heart of his career, Pablo Escobar, it is said that he was responsible, the official numbers for people that he killed is 4,000 people. He killed 4,000 people so that he can protect, put, protect his empire. These are, these are official numbers for people that he ordered to be killed. There's unofficial numbers for people that were killed through drug overdoses and, and all of those other things, or people fighting for territories. Pablo, his, Pablo's problem was not 
money, was not acquiring money. His problem was where to store the money. So what Pablo did, <laughs> he didn't store it in his couch. <laughs> what Pablo did, <laughs> what Pablo did, what Pablo did is he would dig these massive graves and store money there. He would put money in, in his walls. He would put money, he would store these things in here on earth. Which comes back to what we're talking about here. To say, hey, do not store up treasures here on earth. What he did, he did exactly that. But it, it, his brother, who ended up um, writing a book after, his brother was his accountant. He wrote a book after uh, Pablo died. He, his brother said that they used to use, lose 10% of whatever they were making annually through rats eating them. So if, if you do the math, it's, 20, it's half a billion, it's about $25 billion that she was getting annually. So you'd lose $2.5 billion through rats eating them. Do not quote me. This is not scriptural. This is not, this is, this is not biblical. But this is, I think that this was God sending his little army of rats to take back his type. <laughs> it's not scriptural. Don't quote me. But I think, I think, I think that it just shows us that we, we're so focused. Because when he died, all of the bank accounts that were in his name, that money sitting somewhere. Up to today, 2018, a man, a farmer in Colombia was farming and he found $60 million that was in his field. Money that belonged to Pablo Escobar. His cousin, who's living in one of his houses, last year, 2021, found $18 million in one of the walls in the house. He stole so much treasure on, here on earth where he died, when he died, we don't know where there is, I don't know where he is, I don't know where he is, but when he died, he left all that stuff here on earth. He never took any of that stuff. So what is treasure? What is treasure? Treasure is basically what you take beyond your grave. Treasure is what you take beyond your grave. It, it's, it's everything that has to do with eternity. Because all these things are temporary. All these things we focus on are very, 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 very temporary. So it's important for us to also understand that the enemy, what the enemy has been doing, the devil is no longer coming to us like a serpent. Like if you see a serpent, a snake coming to you and speaking to you, I would advise you to check into a um, mental institution. But listen, the devil is no longer coming to us like a serpent. But what he's coming to us through these idols and treasures, that we, things that we treasure. And we are, he's distracting us and our priorities have been shifted from things that are important to things that are actually less important. If we truly believe that, 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 life is, that life is eternal, then why are we focusing on things that are temporary? Why, why are we focusing on things that are irrelevant because we're not going to take them beyond our grave? I'm going to read a scripture for you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. It says, I'm going to wait for us to be there. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything out when we leave. 
We brought nothing into this world and we can't take in anything out when we leave. Pablo brought nothing into this world, but when he left, he left with nothing. So if we can't bring anything into this world and we can't leave with anything, how do we then store up treasures in heaven, as Jesus was saying? Hey, the only two things that are for eternity, the only two things that are eternal is people and God. Those are the only two things that are going to be there in eternity. Those are the only two things that are going to be there in eternity. So we need then to focus on people and God. I'm going to read a scripture for us, um, a very common scripture for some. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17, talks about the story of a rich young ruler. He was not only rich, he was young and he was a ruler. And this portion of scripture, Jesus paints a perfect picture, a perfect image of what it looks like. I'm going to read. 17, it says, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? First thing here, the only people that would come to Jesus and kneel down were people that had real issues. Issues like issue, woman with the issue of blood, centurion whose daughter was about to die. Those are the people, or man with leprosy, those are the people that would come to Jesus and kneel. But this man had no such problem. And he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in this portion of scripture, the attitude that he went to Jesus with was wrong. Because he says, what must I do like it's a transaction? He went with a transactional heart to say, hey, can I just pay tithe so that I can inherit e eternal life? Can I just do something for me to inherit eternal life? But then Jesus says, hey, just because you are not so smart, I'm going to answer you with a question. He said, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. And as Jesus was listing down the commandments here, this man in his head was ticking off these commandments saying, hey, you must not murder, I have not murdered. You must not commit adultery, I have not done that. You must not steal you must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor and honor your father and your mother. And he says, teacher, it's no longer a good teacher. I don't know why. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. The Bible then says that looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Not because he had said he obeyed all those things, but because he had set himself up for what Jesus was about to say. And Jesus then says, there is one thing that you, have, you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you, you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The Bible then says, at this, the man's first face fell and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. The word said there is an understatement because in the original text, it actually means that he was grieved because he didn't want to let go of what he had. Do you realize that this is the only person that Jesus extended an invitation to follow him and he said no because of what he had? Only person in the Bible that we know of. But today, many of us would not let go of what we have and truly decide to follow Jesus because of the possessions that we have. 
And the problem with this man and the problem with most of us is not that we don't, it's not that we don't have much. Because whether you have money or not, you still have something that you treasure. Whether you have much or less, you have something that you treasure. The problem is that it's not that we don't have much. The problem is that we're possessive. We're very possessive. And the problem is that our possessions don't, we don't own our possessions and our possessions own us. We don't own any of our possessions, they own us. The second question, or maybe before I go to the second question, Jesus in this portion of scripture then says, hey, it is difficult, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a man to, to enter into heaven. Jesus was not saying it's impossible if you're rich to go into heaven. It's actually not about rich, uh, riches. What Jesus was talking about there is, a, 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 in those days they had a little gate that was called the eye of the needle. And for a camel to go through that gate, the camel would need to, you need to remove the sacks or everything that the camel was, holding, was, was um, carrying on their back and everything. And then the camel would need to kneel down and go low for it to go through the, the eye of the needle. So what Jesus was getting at, hey, like the camel will not be able to go through as long as it has everything on his back. It's the same thing, same concept that Jesus was talking about with the young, rich young ruler, where he says, hey, go and sell everything that you have because we do not like to let go of the things that we have. Because at the center of our, of our hearts is things, other things that we treasure and not God. Second question I'm going to ask us is, what lens do I look through? What lens do I look through? I'm going to read a scripture for us, Matthew 6, 22. And it says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness. Proper spiritual vision requires us to clearly see and do things from God's perspective. God wants us to see people through God's, God's um, God wants us to see people through his eyes. I'm going to show you an illustration in just a moment, but before I do that, you're wondering what qualifies me to talk about money today. Um, I was a millionaire at age 15. Oh, hold on. Before you send me a friend request or any of those things and request to be my friend, I was a millionaire in Zim dollars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and at the, at the time, a million dollars could only buy you a loaf of bread. But um, I have been there. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, so, I, now I just lost my train of thought. Yes, so, in this portion of scripture that I just read now, you have a good eye and you have a bad eye. You have a healthy eye and you have an unhealthy eye. A good eye focuses on God. A good eye sees people for who they are. A good eye is generous. A good eye conveys a single focus on what a true disciple should be. That's what a, a, a good eye is. And a bad eye represents materialism, greed, and covetousness. And I think 
I would like to show you what that looks like. Because sometimes when we are blinded, I, can see, I, I can't see anything. When we are blinded with our treasure and the things that we treasure, we don't see people for who they are. We don't see people for who they are. Because what happens, as you can see, that this is a one billion not Zimbabwean dollars. <laughs> what happens is that what we value has the power to change the way we see ourselves and the way we see others. When we are blinded by our treasure, by money, by all these things, all of a sudden we, we begin to go to Jesus and think that we can go with the transactional heart. We begin to see people as people that we can just buy. Listen, we're not supposed to use people and love money. We're supposed to love people and use money. That's what God wants us to do. But money blinds us. Our treasure blinds us. And we, we, we're not able to see properly. God wants us to have his perspective, not this perspective. That's what God wants us to do. The Bible then says, hey, the love of money is the root of all evil. I've heard people misquote that scripture for a long time, saying that, hey, love is the root of all evil. Then the churches will say, hey, because love is the root of all evil, come redeem yourselves and pay some offerings and relieve yourselves of that evilness. But this is not who we are. <laughs> the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. All kinds, not just one, all kinds of evil. Pablo Escobar, because he was focused, he was seeing the world through these lens. He ended up killing people. He ended up doing all kinds of evil to protect his wealth while he was building and storing up treasures on this earth. Then Jesus says, then these things are temporary. Rather, see things from God's perspective. Now I can see you. Um, <laughs> literally. See things from God's perspective. See things through the lens of God. See things through the way that God people see people. It's important for us to get that understanding. I'm going to skip over because you, humans have four basic needs. Humans have four basic needs. We have a need for acceptance. We want, the reason why we dress the way that we dress is because we want people to accept us. We want people to to like us. We have a need for identity. I think that our identity has been dictated by the world for a long time. For most of us, we are waiting for culture, society to, to tell us who we are. We have a need for security. We all want to be secure. We all want to be secure. I remember when, when I was 18, I made a vow that I was never going to work for anyone, that I was going to be so rich and work so hard and make sure that I don't have to depend on anyone. But the problem with that is that my reliance was not in God. It my reliance was in my abilities to acquire wealth. My reliance was in my abilities to do what I needed to do. We have a need, fourth need, a need for significance. All of us want to feel important. And, you know, I, I, it happens to me sometimes, I confess. When that text message come in, comes in and it's money, I just feel like an important person because I just received money. I just feel nice. It feels nice. 
Money can give you all these things, but it's temporary. You only feel important for a minute. For a minute until it goes. I think for most of us, um, we suffer from uh, a syndrome called the Lamborghini Income Syndrome, where you see your salary, let's say you get paid on the 25th, right? You see your, com- your, your, your salary coming, 22nd of the month, you're seeing it coming. 25th, you get it. 26th, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. All you're hearing is the noise, but you can't see it. You see it coming. 26th, it's gone. And, and the noise you're hearing is just debit orders. <laughs> debit orders. <laughs> so, money, all these things are temporary. It's just temporary. Money promises you everything. Only God can deliver. What we treasure, these things on earth, they promise us things that only God can deliver. God is the only one who can meet our deepest desires. He is the only one. And I love the the quote that Tammy um, uh, used a couple of weeks ago where she said, our strongest desires are not necessarily our deepest desires. And that is significant. That is significant because materialism blinds us and we feel like, hey, I now feel important. I have a, I'm accepted in society because I have money. And that's wrong. Third thing, qu- third question I'm going to ask you. And the question is, are you worshipping a God, small letter G, or God? Are you worshipping a God, small letter G, Oh God. I'm going to read a scripture for us, Matthew 6.24. Matthew 6.24 then says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one, love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I'll ask you a different question. Are you, who has the capital letter in your life? Is it capital letter G for God or capital letter M for money or mammon? Who has the capital letter in your life? Because money is either a servant in your life or it's a master. There is no neutrality there. There is no neutrality. And money makes a, a, a great servant and a terrible master. When, when money is your master, you begin to do all these evil things. Because money is your master. Because when we wake up in the morning, I asked myself when I was preparing this message, I was like, do I wake up for God or I wake up for money? And the true answer to that is money. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then that's mis- misplaced prior- priorities. That's mis- misplaced priorities. So are we going to serve God or are we going to save money? Are we going to serve God or are we going to save money? Heart check. Let's have a heart check quickly as Sherry's is coming over. Heart check. I'm going to ask us a question. And the question is simple. The question is simple. Of the four things I mentioned, who are you looking to for acceptance, for identity, for security, for significance? 
Are you looking to yourself? Are you looking to what you have? Your treasures here on earth? Or you're looking to God? Am I willing to compromise God's principles to achieve my desires? If that's the case, then you're not looking to God for these things. Are you able, in fact, do you struggle to give God your talents, your money, your resources, your energy? Do you struggle? If that's the case, you're not looking to God for those four things. Because the reality is, all of us that are here are looking for something. We're searching something. We're searching something. I, I, whether it's identity, whether it's acceptance, whether it's significance, you are searching something. But the reality is, whatever you're searching for can only be found in Jesus. It can only be found in Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can provide us. I'm going to invite you guys to stand with me if you're able to. Jesus is the only one who can provide us of those things that we are craving. Everything that we're craving, when we begin to crave more of Jesus, we begin to crave less of the things that we desire. And when we search more of Him and we get more of Him, he will begin to give us more of everything else that we desire. That's the reality. So my invitation to you today, I want you to focus on Jesus. I want you to see the world through the lens of God. See everything in the lens of God. Focus on God. All these things are temporary. All these things are temporary. As I'm going to pray as we end, I'm just going to pray that God helps us to clear our eyes and set our priorities right on things that are eternal, on things that are important.